What's going on, guys? You've reached the John Papaloni Show. This is John Papaloni. We are listening to Season 1, Episode 4, and I have DJ Adam Nix here today to participate in this interview. What's going on, Adam? Hey, John. How's it going? Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thanks for coming down. Thank you. It's been uh, good to catch up over the last few weeks. I know uh, the last time we chatted, it's been about a year since that before. I know it's been a long time. I think uh, the last time we worked together was I uh, still had Click Radio. Yeah, that was quite some time ago. What, what was that, like five, six years ago? I think it's 2000 and... Yeah, it's about five. Okay. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, that is, that, well, actually now we're in 2019, it's almost six. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we start off by, uh, why don't you give our listeners a bit of an introduction? Sure. Uh, so a bit about myself, I'm originally from Edmonton, Alberta. Um, I've been back and forth in Toronto, I've lived in Europe, I've been DJing for the last 10 years. Um, have, you know, I've been doing radio shows for, for about seven years now. Uh, including the one that was on Click Radio. Uh, so I've been able to travel for a bit. I've lived in Ibiza. Uh, I managed to play out there and uh, run um, a radio show and be partners in a media outlet there called Lucky Life Ibiza. So um, yeah, basically I've been around doing that. Um, and uh, I took a bit of a hiatus the last two years and now I'm just kind of getting back into the scene, uh, you know, Getting back into you know introducing myself in Toronto, it's it's changed quite a bit. I would say in the last six years um, when I was living here last. Well, yeah, it has changed quite a bit actually. Like it's sort of a whole new scene. That's like I, I don't even know how to define it compared to before. Oh, it has. I mean, especially with with Gov uh, shutting its doors a couple of years ago. That place was an institution. I know, um, but have you heard of Rebel? Uh, I have. I haven't been yet. But uh, I hear it's the new Vegas-style mega club. Yeah, like uh, basically Rebel is the uh, same owner as government was. Okay, yeah. It's, yeah, so uh, it's uh, the old Docks nightclub. Okay, yeah. I've been to Docks before. Yeah, so. except now they got Rebel is what they call the inside and the, the outside patio they call Cabana. Okay, yeah, I've heard about Cabana as well. It looks like an interesting place. Kind of different from what we've had before in Toronto. It's it seems like they're kind of bringing a bit of Vegas flair to the city. Um, definitely interesting how things have changed. Uh, the scene has um, definitely changed DJ wise. A lot of the guys I knew back in the day have either moved on or, or moved outside of the city to further their careers. Well, that's true. Like Barry, uh, I forgot his last name now. Barry, Barry Rook. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's in Ottawa now. Yeah, no, that was you know. One change, and I, I think that's actually how we uh, stumbled across each other, for sure. And there's uh, oh, there's a lot of other heavy hitters that are have kind of moved on that are still based here. You have like your um, Carlo Leo, Nathan Brado that are like touring across the world, and they're they're still you know living in Toronto, but they're all over the place. And uh, there's you know of course the younger crowd, the younger generation of people. Um, I'm no spring chicken, and. Uh, <laughs> It's definitely changed the music. Uh, you know, there's this, what do we have? There's like trap, there's, you know, EDM seems like it's kind of going out the window, but there's, you know, mainstream kind of stuff coming back into the club that's becoming more popular, it, it seems like. And that's kind of making me not want to go to places like Rebel. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I don't know. Maybe I got to give it a chance. Oh, definitely. I mean, I don't think... I mean, I haven't been to Rebel in a long time, but I don't think they play just one spot, one room, like one type. I think there's quite a difference because I see multiple DJs. Okay, how can yeah. you possibly pay, play, you know, one type of music with multiple DJs? Yeah, for That sure. makes no sense, right? So I, I probably... Yeah, I'm missing out on something somewhere. But anyways, I mean, regardless, I mean, like, now that uh, you brought up all this stuff, I remember I used to actually play your Lucky, Lucky Life show on Click. Okay, yeah, yeah, you, you did. Yeah. And uh, every Wednesday I would upload it to you. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and I would launch it on Thursday, I believe. Yeah, for sure. We had quite a few viewers, too, that, that would tune in from Click. Um, so it was great. It was great exposure. Yeah, it was one time. of those things that I, 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 I was actually impressed with that. I mean... Like, during my click days, I had 54,000 unique visitors a month on average. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> it I definitely know. helped us, I mean, uh, for the Canadian presence, because we're syndicated with a bunch of other online stations in Europe and some FM stations as well. And uh, Canadian art, uh, sorry, Canadian, um, the Canadian demographics is harder to, to target because we're not as, as uh, big as, say, you know, some countries in Europe. With, with population and everything. So it definitely helped us out here. Actually, it's sort of like a tribe, right? Like, it's like, I, I think um, music in Canada, like every genre has its own little tribe, as I call it. It does, definitely. Yeah, well, that's, you know, it's pretty good. I mean, you know, you didn't seem uh, to have trouble uh, penetrating it. No, no, like uh, right now, um, I think we get about, it's hard to say because so many people say, oh, this is, X amount of people that listen to your station every week and uh, you don't really know somebody could say oh it's, it's 500,000 people but um, I think when we did our average count it's about I think 180,000 people that are engaged every week that listen so we're actually in the process of revamping our radio right now and rebranding um, we had uh, an exclusive show on Pioneer DJ Radio um, on Ibiza Sonica FM and uh, Pioneer DJ Radio was just bought out um, at Christmas and they're done now so uh, some investor came in and I don't know what they're doing with it so uh, we're actually taking that spot because we had another uh, partner that was running um, a live show on that station so we're partnering up and we're, we're creating a new a new brand and experience coming coming in February well, that'll be exciting. I'm uh, sure you'll share that show as well. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> kind of get the uh, old uh, flow going again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, it's, it's, it's tough putting out content uh, by yourself every week. Like uh, for, for a few years, I was doing Lucky Life just by myself, the radio. And, and now I have uh, a couple other people. We're all kind of partners together in it. So we put out a show each week. <laughs> And stuff, but uh, I give you props to what you're doing right now. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, that's the thing. When I had the click, I had a whole huge team, mm -hmm. and um, it's one of those things. Now I'm like relaunching with CM Digital, and uh, literally, I have uh, one person helping me at random times. It's not, you know, helping me on an official level, but every so often, you know, I'll get sent something. It's like, oh, thanks. So yeah, I'm kind of relaunching on my own. I probably should do something about that to, you know, for scalability, but. 
hey, this is the way it starts, right? Yeah, you got to get a crew of interns or something. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you something. How did you get started in DJing? Like, what, what was your uh, driving factor? Nobody wakes up one day, buys a pair of headphones and says, ooh, what am I going to do with those headphones? Let's start DJing. So what else do I need to buy? No, obviously something else stemmed it. Yeah, for sure. So I've got two stories I can tell you about that. So um, in 1987, my my grandparents bought like one of the first CD players that was available. And I think my grandfather paid about $800 or something for, it was just a boom box with a CD player in it. And the only CDs out there were, there was like a few CDs that you could buy at the store because it was such a new thing. And um, so my grandfather actually bought the Pet Shop Boys. <laughs> oh, wow. And I, I listened to their music and I was like, this is, this is weird. You know, I was a kid, I was, you know, I was still young, I was five, six years old. But I'm used to listening to rock and roll music and, and all that kind of stuff from Alberta. And then listening to this music, it was just really interesting. And um, when I was 16, I had an opportunity. This is a long story. I could go on about this. But I was uh, scouted by a modeling agency. Um, a girl that I was dating at the time um, got me to go to a casting. And they scouted me to go to to become a fashion model and uh, half of my my grade 10 when I was 16 I was living in Milan and I was going to clubs so this is where I got to hear house music for the first time um, I got to hear Armin Van Helden um, you know Cassius all that kind of stuff and it was just it blew my mind away going to a club and, and seeing like people playing on turntables and this was like the late 90s where um, this is about 1998, I think, where I experienced that for the first time. And, and as soon as I was 16 years old and I saw that person DJing up on the stage, I'm like, I want to be a DJ. I need to like get the equipment and everything. And it wasn't until I was about 22 years old where I was able to, to get the money and finally buy a pair of decks and get involved. And, okay, uh, hold on, hold on. So you said from 16 years old to 22. Yeah. So... You know, for everyone who wants instant gratification, that's about the reality of instant gratification. Six years to build into something. Yeah, that's before I even bought the decks or knew how to DJ. It still took me time once that I was 22, you know. I know, and that, that's resilience, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's not like it happens overnight, like you woke up and poof, it's there. You know yeah, I mean? That, that, like, if, if it took you six years to do it and you still want to do it, that should be a sign that, you know, maybe something clicks there, something that's you know, yeah. it's made for you. And no matter what, you know, my issue was that, you know, I, I'd always tell my parents, I'm like, oh, I want, I want some decks, I want some turntables. They're like, what are you doing? Like, that's a stupid thing. You should be wasting your money and all this. And then, you know, like, until I actually bought them and, and my parents saw, you know, how happy I was. And like, they're like, wow, you know, like, maybe it wasn't such a bad thing. Maybe this guy should have got a pair of decks earlier, you know, like, we should have like influenced him to not do that. And um, from, from about 22 years old, um, for two years, I saved up some money so I could go to school and, 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 and get an audio, audio engineering uh, diploma at, at OER. So I wanted to learn music production. I wanted to learn engineering because DJing opened up a whole realm for me to, to find a career in the music industry. And little did I know coming out of school, um, I, I think I was 25, 26 when I finished the program at OER. It opened my mind up to you know music editing, working, 
television and film, learning techniques to record, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it opened my mind up to all that, but at the same time, like all these studios were closing back then, you know, recording, uh, what year is this? 2008, like from 2001 to 2008 in Toronto, I think 200 studios closed up because the, the style, uh, the way of doing business changed. You could, you could do it on a laptop from your home opposed to, you know, having this, you know, $300,000 studio that you have to go to and record on a hundred channel mixing board. So the business definitely changed. So getting out of school was even harder to, to try to break it in the business. Cause I wanted to, I wanted to be an engineer and, um, you know, put out records and, but you know, it's tough. You got to find other ways around it. Well, it's not even finding ways around. I mean, think of it. Everything in life evolves. It does. It does. Right? You have to so be prepared for it. It's not necessarily what you're doing as opposed to how you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Right? So maybe what you learned in school has become obsolete. Yes. But techniques never change. It's just the instruments do. So yeah. it's just a matter of learning those new instruments. And the thing is, you can't be comfortable. The moment you get comfortable, things change. You have to always be ready for change. Cause, right. Well, know. comfort equals game over. Yes. Right? You've got to be comfortable being uncomfortable, trying things that nobody else has tried. Because if everyone else is doing it, how do you stand out? Exactly. I agree. Right? Like, I have a similar story. When I started DJing, not quite the same. Um, I was more of the instant gratification thing, kind of. I didn't wait six years, but I was kind of uh, determined, uh, and uh, pretty much I put everything into it. Well, like I do everything. I put everything into everything I do. Yeah. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, right? But... Anyway, so I remember 15 years old, I used to uh, watch a couple of uh, people I knew, no, DJing. And they used to, like one person even did our uh, high school dance. And I watched and I'm like, I don't want to be in the dance. I want to be the guy behind yeah. the records. I don't, I don't, you know what I mean? Like I'm not a dancer. I don't dance. I mean, at 15 years old, we're not drinking. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like sort of like, what am I doing here? Yeah. And I'm, but I mean, I was fascinated by the, by the Technics 1200s. Just oh, yeah. watching them spin and watching them play, and I'm like just fascinated on how he goes, and um, and then uh, that was one intro to it. Then I used to go to a bar, <laughs> uh, and uh, <laughs> so somebody else Somebody's I know. ID. <laughs> yeah, well, no, not even then. No. I just never asked. It was yeah. a local bar, and nice. they walked in, and I just never had a problem. Um, plus, yeah, so it was one of those things that somebody else that I knew who went to the same high school. And uh, obviously he was grade 13 and yeah. I was grade nine, right? So I was like, but anyways, it was, you know, sort of one of those friends, brothers, friend, you know, yeah. like, and he used to DJ there and I used to watch him play and, you know, I was fascinated. Then one day he said he wants to sell us Technics 1200s. And oh boy, did I get excited. I nice. ran home and I'm like, do not sell it. I'm going to buy these. Do not sell it. Do not sell it. I kept saying it, right? Like, and it was before the days of cell phones. You couldn't call people. Yeah. And, you know, I had to run home, and I'm like, you know, running home, and you know what I mean? Like, I was like, I went there. You know, dad, 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 I need a thousand dollars. And of course, you know how that conversation <laughs> went. How did that go? <laughs> not very good, right? No. And it goes, you know what? When you work, you can spend whatever money you want, however you want. Yeah. Boy, was that motivation. And then I turned to him and I said, the guy's name was Tony. I go, Tony, I want these 1200s. I go, I need to get a job to pay for it. And surprisingly, for a kid, the guy trusted me. Wow. 
Yeah, that's, that's what I said. <laughs> yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like, I even wanted to buy his records. He wanted it out for whatever reason. I think yeah. he was getting married. So I was like, wow, you know what I mean? Like, that's incredible. So he held on to him. And um, what did I do? I got my job at McDonald's. Yeah, nice. Uh, most people get a job at McDonald's because they want to earn money, save, put away, whatever. Yeah. Not me. No, nah, I'm, I'm doing this nice. so I could buy records. Yeah. That was exactly my whole mission. So I went to McDonald's. I worked and I worked and I worked. And uh, lo and behold, I bought my stereo system. Wow. I was so proud. And then I was buying records and I was buying all kinds of stuff, right? Like, and I remember the first time, it was kind of one of those, you know, traditional European families. My dad said, when you have the money, you can buy whatever you want. Yeah. Well, before I picked up the 1200s, I went out and picked up the uh, stereo with the speakers and all that. I showed up with the box at home. And, um, and my dad looked at that and goes, what the heck is that? I said to him, I go, it's a stereo. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess he didn't think I was actually going to uh, do it. Yeah. And yeah, yeah European way, you know what it is. They grab you by the oh, ears, you got to carry the thing, bring you back to the store that's like so embarrassing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but I was still determined and I found a way around it. So what ended up happening is, I, w I remember I was pissed off at temper tantrum and uh, my brother came over, right? And then he goes, and looked at me, he goes, what's wrong? And I told him. He goes, hold on. He went home. Where the hell is he going? Is he going? He went home, came back, brought his stereo over. He says, now it's my stereo. He can't bring that back. Yeah. Right? So he helped me out that way. I never forgot that. So then I went to uh, my friend. I picked up the 1200s. I brought them home. No problem with the 1200s. Yeah. So that's how I first got my stuff. Now I had no records, but I had a stereo system. Yeah. But I continued working. I, I got it and got it and got it and just kept going. All right? And I mean, what an exciting feeling that many oh, yeah. you play your first records. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, you know, I don't know how it was for you, but when I first started, I only had like maybe three or four records. So I wore the shit out of them because you'd be learning, right? And, and you, you can't buy everything all at once. You know, you've got your McDonald's paycheck that you're, you're buying as much as you can every two weeks or whatever you get paid. But you're stuck with what you got. It's not like it is now where you can run Tractor and, and you can run Serato and just put a time code vinyl on, download MP3s. So you really had to, you know, you, you really had to spend your money to, to get more music. There was no way around that. Oh, for sure. I mean, I used to spend my whole paycheck on records. And believe me, the, the record store got to know me so well that they started putting the new tracks aside for me, knowing, and every week I'd go in, and every week they'd say, here's your list, here's your list, here's your list, and I didn't even know what I was buying. Yeah. But they just knew my style, they knew what I wanted, nice. and I just went home. Now, it was pretty good how well they know me. Like, I would take 10 records. Out of 10 records, nine of them was exactly what I wanted. Yeah. Wow. And sometimes I'd be so lucky that the 10th one that I thought, what am I going to do with this, ended up being a popular track that everybody liked. And had I said, no, I'm bringing it back, I don't want it. Yeah. I would have messed up, but I never brought anything back. So that's why they kept doing it. Yeah. So even if I didn't want it, that was kind of the price it you paid. It was like a weapon you could keep in your, uh, right. so, your pocket for when you need it. Because you know, they would when, hold records yeah. for me. How many times do people hold things like that? Yeah, no. Right? Sometimes I remember one time he had a box for me and it was like, no word of a lie, it was $1,500 a record. But I was only making like $375. Yeah. Right? So for three, it's going to take a while for me to pay for that. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> the point I'm getting at is he still held on to me, wouldn't let it go. Like, wow. I mean, like, that's, that's, forget brand loyalty. He was like loyal to me in a way. Yeah. Right? I, I, I got even got, you know, rare tracks that, you know, that were limited editions. Like, I had songs that people were saying, where are you getting that? Where are you getting that? I can't find it. I didn't want to say the record store was holding it for me, but I guess he didn't hold it for you. 
right? So it's yeah. like I, I just kept my mouth shut, right? Like, and I'm just like, I don't know, I just found it, right? It's, so it's crazy how it was back then, um, with with music where you you'd have that unique track that nobody else would have, and and even like if you look at mix CDs and stuff like that that were coming out in the '90s, like I remember go, going to Europe and. I bought the CD the, the summer before and then they started playing the music here in Canada a year later and you're like this stuff's already a year old and it's but it's it was new here like how the internet revolutionized that to, that's true to what it is now like um, I find it so amazing because it's so hard to have that unique track now that is <laughs> because true because everyone's accessible can, you can upload it to the internet and everyone's got a copy of it yeah, so, well, that's the thing. That, you know, speaking of unique tracks, I remember my cousin from Italy came down, and um, because he was one of my inspirations too. Because when I went to Italy in my fifteenth year, like my like I was fifteen years old, my parents went back for a couple of months to yeah. see their parents and stuff. So I went with them, and my uh, cousin. That was the first time I met my cousin. Like, it wasn't just a name over the phone, and um, he used to take me to all the clubs. Same thing. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? And um, he used to have a DJ set up upstairs in his, uh, on top of the garage. Like he had a room on top oh, of the nice. garage and he just had it set up for that. So now he came down and I had my setup at the time. And well, yeah, so I had a, you know, quite a big setup. I mean, actually quite a studio setup, to be honest. And none of the equipment was mine, but we won't go there. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least not right now. But uh, it was like, it was kind of one of those things. I landed in a fortunate spot where I was able to use someone's equipment. Wow. And, and I, I, it's sort of like, I met somebody in the industry that helped me out a lot. And, you know, I mean, I helped them out too. So we yeah. kind of helped each other out. And, and it, was a, it was like, it gave me the benefit because he had all this extra equipment that helped me Bonus. create this recording stuff, which is great. Yeah. But where I'm going with this is that my cousin was there. He saw the studio and goes, holy crap. I mean, obviously in Italy, right? He looked at that and goes, oh, this is a lot of stuff. And I wasn't going to get into it and say it's not mine. Yeah. Right? I, I just played. He, let, he showed me some of the stuff he learned. He played, right? And then we said, okay, let, you know, since we're hanging out, instead of hanging out indoors, why don't we go to a record store? I go, I got some buy, some records in, my, in a box waiting for me. Yeah. Right? So I go to, uh, at the time, this time it was Tracks Records in Mississauga. Okay. And uh, Jimmy, the owner, uh, I knew him. And, uh, you know, showed me a whole box of records, different stuff. And uh, I'm going there. And then, you know, Europe was very futuristic, as you said, right? Oh, it was. So I, I deviated from my normal pattern. And I wanted even some of the futuristic stuff. So he goes, okay, you showed me. So I kept putting that. My, and I go by my cousin's opinion, right? Because he really was talented yeah. in just knowing. So, I, and you know what, he was pretty good. 70% of the things he said ended up being true. Not a uh, bad ratio. Yeah, that's pretty I mean, good. For, especially good for a guy who doesn't know our market. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's one of those things that every time he goes, yes, put it in the box. Yes, put it in the box. Yes, put it in the box. So he turns to me, he goes, oh, okay, so is he holding that? He goes, no, that's what I'm taking home. Yeah, wow. <laughs> he's and wondering. he's looking at it. And he goes, yeah, yeah, but I mean, a little bit at a time, right? He goes, no, I'm going to take it all home now. Right? It's mind blow. <laughs> yeah, like, and it goes, okay. So we drive, we drive, and we're driving away, and I'm like, we're driving. He goes, John, 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 you gotta go back. I go, why? We didn't pay. <laughs> right? I go, yeah, I did. And I go, don't worry, it's gonna charge my credit card. Yeah. We paid, don't worry. Yeah. Uh, and he, like, he seemed confused about that. Yeah, it's different in Europe, I guess. It's all cash, right? Mo right. Most of it. Yeah, so. 
anyways, we go back, we play around, then I take him back to my uh, aunt's house, aunt and uncle's house, you know, where he was staying while he was here. Yeah. And uh, he goes in, he goes, you're not going to believe this. We went to the record store. I told him all these records. I thought one, two, three, four records, maybe 10 if he's crazy. I go, we picked out 90 records. He bought them all. Like he was just blown yeah. away by it. But you could tell that experience sort of made his day. Yeah. You know what I mean? In a way, it was like that shock, right? For hours, we played with that. We even recorded a whole uh, CD. Like we, we recorded a CD and I saved the CD so he can bring it back with him. Nice. You so, still have that CD? No, I don't. Oh. Yeah, I know. I wish I did. So, but I mean, I still have some of the stuff when I did my um, Friday Night Shuffle with uh, Click Radio. Nice. That's I have awesome. that in MP3s. I saved them on my uh, computer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's crazy how the times have changed now. Um, uh, I think we were kind of chatting about this earlier, but um, so Beatport is going to be launching uh, a partnership, I think, with one of the major companies, whether it's Tractor or um, Na sorry, Native Instruments or Serato or something. I'm, I'm hearing that they're going to offer a subscription service that basically you can um, sync with your Pioneer device or whatever, and you can stream whatever the heck you want. So whatever is available on Beatport, you can dial up on your CDJ now. Um, either it's going to cause a lot of disruption and change things, or every DJ is going to be playing the, the top DJ's playlist on Beatport, their top 10 songs. Well, we'll see what happens. I don't know. What do you think about that? That should be interesting. But I mean, you said it's streaming, right? It's streaming, so basically it's going to buffer the song. It will load it up. But that could be dangerous. It could if you lose the internet or... Uh, well, that's my point. Imagine going to a paid gig, getting paid big bucks. You show up, you load up. The internet is not strong enough or they don't have internet. you got to have some kind of backup or you're screwed. Well, that's my point. And yeah. I think that... Uh, I think most uh, people will be prepared some way. But I think you're yeah. gonna have the odd one that won't oh, think yeah. of it, and they'll get they're gonna get burned, and that's gonna show, you know cause some interesting, uh, you know, moments. Yeah, it definitely will. So, another thing I wanted to know is, I mean, I know how I got into it. I know how you got into it. What would you, what would you tell a person who says, "Hey, I'm interested in music. I love music. I want to start DJing. How do I get started? What do I do?" What do you do? Well, it's not just DJing anymore, right? Um, before, you didn't really have to focus as much on the marketing, the social media, promotion, all that. It was, you know, you just being a good DJ and having people do that for you. But if you're a new person, um, you know, DJing because you want to do it because you love it. Um, if you want to take your career a step further, then there's so much more to it than just DJing. That's like, you know... 20% of it. The rest is marketing and advertising and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I mean, do it if you love to. Um, don't expect to become a millionaire from it. Um, I know a lot of people that, that still work regular jobs that are in the clubs every week, every weekend, right? Um, you know, the top 5% of the industry are the guys, you know, that are making the money. And that are getting the paychecks, the Carl Coxes, the Armin Van Buren's, you know, all those guys are, you know, but they have teams of like 
50, 60 people working for them. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are we talking real estate here or DJing? <laughs> I mean, it's, it, you know, there's almost a relation, uh, correlation to that. Well, that's exactly what I was getting at, right? Like even real estate, everyone thinks everyone makes a billion dollars. 80% of the people don't even make a sale. They're bartending or doing some other job to pay their fees. It's, it's the same Fifth, thing. Yeah, and, and then 5% are making millions of dollars. Yeah. And then you got 15% that are pretty much making a living. And but the five percent at the top, they're also like I said, they've got fifty to sixty people. They have they have multiple PR managers. They have image managers. They you know, let's talk about ghost producing because there's a lot of those guys at the top that, that have a team of people that are making music for them, catering to their style and everything. There all that stuff's happening. Right, and that's where I was going. That's the whole the whole parallel is. I don't believe it's just. I made a joke out of real estate because obviously I was licensed before, mm -hmm. right? And I gave up my license. I mean, that's kind of the common story here. Yes. But the point I'm getting at is the fact that I don't think it's just DJing. I don't think it's just really. There's a parallel in all businesses with that. I mean, a lot of people say, "Oh, I want a business that has no competition." Well, reality is, in today's day and age, name a business that really has no competition. Yeah, it's hard to say. <laughs> well, everything has competition. Yes, everything and I, does. And that's the point. Like, and that's why I believe it's like you got to become obsessed with what you're doing. You do. You do. You have to eat, breathe, sleep, music, DJing, if you want to get to the, you know, if you want to be the top 5%. Right. And that's why I believe passion trumps um, anything else because you will not consume anything that you're not passionate about. For sure. You know what I mean? Like anytime, if you don't like what you're doing, the first sign of trouble, you're running. Yeah. But right. also I think you got to be able to uh, starve financially and experience fathom before you crawl to the top for some of these guys. Because if you, if you really love what you do, you might have some, you know, you might have a couple of years where you go through some dry spells where you're not getting the, uh, the, the bookings, the attention, but you're focusing on your craft, your music, and eventually somebody's going to pick that up and be like, wow, this is amazing. Look at uh, Steve Lawler, case in point. I mean, he tried, uh, I just recently watched a documentary on him, and um, he changed up his music style, and uh, he was playing what he wanted, and all of a sudden, people stopped dancing. There's, you know, events that he'd be booked for, he stopped getting booked for them, but but he stayed true to his sound and eventually um, people started listening to it and giving it a chance and, and you know, he started getting booked again and, and, and you know, the same thing. I think you have to stay true to your craft, whatever it is. Well, and, exactly. Uh, like, I mean, you're really, like, when it comes to music, you're trying to please your audience, but really your audience is really people like you. Yeah. You're not... Like, I know everyone says, oh, I'm playing for the people. No, you're not. Because you know what? What type of music do you play? Like, what do you enjoy playing? What is your passion? I like, um, I like Deep House. I like Tech House. I like, I'm a big fan of Disco House. And a lot of people don't like Disco House. And I'll get categorized as that person. And I won't get booked because of it. But that's what I But love. here's my point. Here's my point, though. Right? Look at what you just labeled. Now, what if I told you I can get you booked every day for the rest of your life? Playing hip hop. Some DJs might be like, okay, I got a paycheck. But then they, they might like it somewhat. Yeah. I'm not saying you don't like it, but the point I'm getting at, if that's not your style, that's not you being true to yourself, mm -hmm. that, why would you want to do it? Yeah, I see what you mean. But there's. So that's where I'm going. So when he's true to himself, 
All it is is what I call a shift. You're shifting people who you are trying to please in order to find the crowd that wants to be in the same space that you do. Yeah. And, and that takes effort and that takes time and it's scary. So it is. Right? Because there's, there's that moment where you go from being busy to all of a sudden you get this dry spell and you're going, okay, what do I do now? Right? And then you, but it's like, and that's where I'm talking about passion. That sure. passion will make you, you know, persevere and just keep going and going and going until it hits. And I think you have to stay on that path. There's some DJs that I know that have flip-flopped all over the place to playing whatever's popular, but does that make them stand out? Absolutely not, because they're playing whatever's popular at the moment and they're jumping on the bandwagon. You know, there's like people jumping from electro to EDM now that they're jumping to deep house and uh, you know, they're still, they're playing every once in a while, but they're, they haven't really advanced their career anymore because they haven't stuck to I got a name for those people. What do you call them? Record players. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. $100 record like players. The player. difference between someone who just does what you just said and someone who follows his craft is $100 versus five grand or more. Yeah, exactly. Because if you're getting something that anybody can play any song at any random order at any time, then you got a record player or a jukebox. Exactly. You don't need a person for that. <laughs> it's so true. Right? Because there's no craft it's, in it. Yeah. And, and that's, that, that's what... The iPod can yeah, take over. Exactly. An iPod. So why do you need a person there? So you do that just to make sure that the iPod doesn't run out of uh, you know, music. But reality is, 100 bucks. why do you need to pay anything else? It's the same as everybody else. Yeah. For sure. Right? What's the difference between an Apple computer and a PC? They both work. Exactly. They both do the same things, maybe differently. Right. But the Mac is for creative. It is. And that's what it's supposed to be. I'm a to. Mac user. <laughs> so am I. I. I've had both PC and Mac. And I'll tell you right now, for, like, for doing Excel, for doing Word, for surfing the internet, same crap. Yeah. But when I come to my creative stuff, and you know what I mean when I'm done, whether it's audio, whether it's visual, whether it's photography... I could tell you right now, my Mac outperforms it. But Mac, you know, a lot of people say, well, Macs don't do everything PCs do. It wasn't meant to be. For sure. It was meant, you know, this is the creative computer. They somehow got taken out of context and, and was told that they're supposed to do stuff they were never meant to do. Now, that's really just people popularizing it just so they can fit their For needs. Sure. The I reality is, it is the creative thing. I agree with you 100%, and I'm, I'm not sponsored by Mac. <laughs> say that. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, and that's my point. And I'm going, like, I, I feel music in general, not just DJing, whether you're a singer, whether you're a guitarist, whatever part of music, the whole point of music is creativity. You are the apple of the industry and the way that you're meant to be creative and produce your own creativity, your own sound, your own visuals, your own, you know I mean, brand. Yes. You're not meant to be another you know, generic item. For sure. So, what else can you, uh, what other tips can you give? What other tips can I give? Um, focus, focus on, on what you want to do. Uh, the best thing that you can do is uh, write out a, a plan, a plan of action. And it, it's, you know, don't write something in a month. This is where you expect to be, but maybe, uh, even a two or three or, or five year plan. Uh, maybe your first year, you wanna make sure you master the craft of DJing and you learn you know, everything you need to do for that. And then the second year, you wanna get into music production. And um, you know, once you have those two things down, if you wanna be a producer DJ, I mean, marketing and all that 
can happen after. But um, yeah, you know, sticking to a plan and following it. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that get caught up in, in the scene partying and all this. And that's, that's the worst thing you can do. I mean, yeah, there's, you know, moderation, go out, have fun, go to the clubs. But if, if you want to be a DJ, you don't want to be just a partier <laughs> going out every weekend because you're going to be spending your, your hard-earned money on, on, on going to the bar where you could be using that money um, and, and time. Um, you could be saving your time as, as well. Like, there's so many free resources on the internet. You don't even need to go to audio production school nowadays. Um, you know, YouTube itself has so many tutorials where you can learn. You could eat, sleep and uh, breathe YouTube for, you know, a year, and I'm sure you could learn how to produce music. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, but, you know, I can't discount the uh, schooling. There is some value to it. Of, of course there is. But um, let me be clear. I think there's value in the schooling if you're not borrowing the money. I, I personally believe student loans will be the demise of North America. And I don't think there's anything you can get from a student loan that makes it worthwhile. I agree, and I think it's completely overpriced school nowadays, and that's why I don't, you know, for, I don't want to mention, you know, schools that I've been to or anything, but I paid $30,000 to go to a one-year program, and who knows what it is now, 10 years later, and uh, the the chance of getting a job is slim to none. Um, I, th I think that needs to change well, well here's your and, here's my case be, in point because they're loaning out money you can go to these programs where if they didn't loan that kind of money out i don't think those programs would be that expensive well here's my case in point now i'm going to bring up something i wasn't going to go to so you said you went on a hiatus for a couple of years yes why don't you tell everybody what you did and in some ways you still do so the the last uh, like my background is is IT. I've been doing IT for for as long as I've been DJing as well as a job to, to pay for income. I mean I've been able to do a little bit of full time DJing and not have to worry about a job. But um, you know life is expensive. You want to buy a house. You want to do all that kind of stuff. Um, also mortgage um, mortgage industry. I got out of the IT industry a couple of years ago. And um, I decided to change up industries because I thought I could be a mortgage broker full time and, you know, still be able to have all my hobbies and, and work on that and have a well-balanced ba life. Well, um, that is not true. <laughs> uh, working uh, full time in the real estate industry is very tough, especially in the economy uh, in Alberta, where I'm from, where things have really changed up a lot. Right, but my point I'm getting at is $30,000 of education and you're going out to do uh, mortgage broking. Yeah. So what did that education do for you? It, it did uh, nothing. You know? Right, and that's my point. How many people out there have gone to university, racked up a $24,000 student loan and uh, come home to live in their parents' basement to say, I didn't go to school to work at Starbucks. Nothing against Starbucks. I mean, mm -hmm. I like Starbucks. I go to Starbucks every day. I'd love to even work part-time at Starbucks. But my point I'm getting at is the fact that you didn't take audio engineering to sell mortgages. No, no. And, and that's my point. And, that, and that's what I'm saying. And, it's, and it doesn't matter what industry it is, mm -hmm. right? It, it could be any industry. It applies the same. And I'm not saying school is not important, but all I'm saying is there's better ways of doing it than through student loans and sometimes there is what you want is a slow progression and that sure. if that means you got to work summers to pay that tuition or you've got to start a couple years later to save it that may be the better thing it might be better to even have 
a job in the same industry that you want to get into so you get known so by the time you graduate you're a familiar name when you're applying for sure yeah like becoming an intern or you know right and going full circle around one thing i'm sure you've learned that is you've tried a lot of other things and and basically your music became a uh, back burner for a lack of description um basically um me taking a break from music actually was depressing for me because it didn't make me happy. Um, me working on music at home, it, it's, there's something that, that, that is peaceful for me. It takes my mind off the everyday world where I can sit in front of a computer and start working on music or, or even recording a DJ set or playing in front of people as well. Like it, it takes me away from the everyday stresses in life. And, and, uh, you know, there's been so many times where I'm like, you know what, I'm, I'm, t- I'm sick and tired of this. I'm just going to sell my decks. I'm going to be done with this and, and never again. <laughs> and then I end up like but you watching didn't. a DJ or watching a documentary on music. And then it's just like, oh, I want to do this again. And, and it doesn't necessarily mean that I want to um, become the next, you know, big name or whatever. I just want to play because it, it makes me happy. Oh, of course I'd love to, but... Um, so what's stopping you? Uh, there's, there's nothing but the... If you look at the odds, anything is possible, yes. Thank you. Anything is possible. But look, it's passion. That's where I'm going yeah. at. The point is, you stepped away. You couldn't stay away. You couldn't even sell your decks. You had no use for them. The last two years, they pretty much collected more dust than this table did. Mm-hmm. And reality is that you still couldn't sell it. That could have been money in your pocket that paid for other bills. Yeah, but but a part of me psychologically was somehow sabotaging things so that I couldn't sell those decks somehow. But this is my point. <laughs> it's not even sabotaging. Your mind knew you weren't ready to let go Yeah. because you still want to do it, and there's nothing wrong with it, and that's the point of passion. The point is what passion comes in. If you follow passion, you listen to passion, you'll make it work. It's mindset. If you tell yourself you can't be the next big name, of course, you're never going to be. Sabotage yourself, right? Think of it. You went on a syndicated show. That takes talent. How many people in Toronto have been around (laughs) and going? I can't even get a club gig, and you got into a syndicated show. I had a chance to play uh, for Carl Cox in space, as an example. Well, there you uh, go, right? So the point I'm getting at is, I don't think your problem is talent. I don't think your problem is, I mean, income is a problem in the way that bills don't get paid by wishing it, but the (laughs) point I'm getting it is that it's mindset. And the point is, if you start believing, don't you think you can actually make it? It's true. And uh, you're right. And uh, I, I... I agree with that because if I don't, then I'm contradicting what I just said earlier about <laughs> focusing on things. So, But that's the point. Yeah, okay, you know what? You know what? It sucks that we have to have side jobs sometimes. Mm-hmm. It sucks that, you know, it doesn't go in the order that we want. And it sucks that it might take a couple of years because it's not going to happen in a minute like Instagram. Mm-hmm. And it sucks that we're not going to go online and say, hey, I'm a DJ and a million followers just because we said that. Mm-hmm. I mean... And it sucks that when you are DJing, it's going to take time away from your wife. It's going to take time away from your family because you're out playing. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of stuff that's good for it. Think of all the abilities and things that it's going to give you. That's why you're passionate. You're not passionate for playing records. Yeah. You're passionate 
about the benefits you get from playing those records, as I call it. I agree. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I went through the same feeling, right? Like, I mean, I may not be DJing anymore, but to some degree, I'm still involved in a, in a different aspect. Mm-hmm. Even through my content, you know, what am I posting? What is this, about, what is this podcast about? Music. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, my podcast yeah, is about business. you got a business. microphone in front of you, too. And right. And you're recording on an audio See? software program. Well, exactly. And that's my point, right? Like, I mean, all my podcasts aren't about music. It's more like the business of it and, right, how people can get it. And that's what my interviews are about. But the point I'm getting at is there's still some audio involvement here. Yes. Content is there. I haven't lost my abilities. Eventually, somehow, my background of entertainment and events is still there. Right, and, and mm-hmm. I believe that is with you. That's why yes. you're coming back, right? Like you, you know what I mean? Like so, there's talent there. It's just a matter of learning. How can you exploit your talent? How can you build on that? For sure, right? So I, I and it's incredible, you know, to watch someone not give up is actually more exhilarating <laughs> than watching someone That's, who made it and then did give up. Yeah, it's true, right? So it's it's about the fight. It's about the adventure. It is. It is. So that's amazing. <laughs> well, well, I think at this point in time, I'm going to say thanks for coming out. We're going to check back with you in a couple of months to see sure. uh, you know, progress and how things have been. And I, honestly, thank you for doing this podcast. Yeah, thanks, John, for having me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. I'm looking forward to our talk in the future. <laughs>